Attention patriots. Tired of the tyranny and crime in the sanctuary cities? Flee the city and seek refuge in the American Redoubt. FleeTheCity.com. Move to the freedom of Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. FleeTheCity.com. FleeTheCity.com. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Herbs have been used by people since the dawn of time. When Rockefeller introduced allopathic medicine, many herbal remedies fell by the wayside as people put their faith in prescription pills and the world just gets sicker. Here at Heathen Herbs, we look to the past and to nature for answers. We offer tinctures, magnesium skin cream, lip balm, tooth powder, colloidal silver throat spray, and more. Check us out at HeathenHerbs.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com
no reasonable level of anti-Semitism. Nordic resistance movement are present. comrades and welcome back to the nordic frontier it is the final solution to your podcast problem and you have arrived it is nordic tuesday once again and we come to you live every tuesday at eight o'clock swedish master race time from the piney mountains of the nordic nation it is also a national socialist broadcast hosted by a member of the nordic resistance movement tonight that is me, Andreas, and with me I have Mike. How you doing, Mike? Hello. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm terrible. <laughs> All right. Why is that? Yeah, I, uh, I just found out that Arthur C. Clarke was a pedophile, homosexual. Oh. Do you know who that is? Uh, yeah, but I, I think I had heard that before. God damn it, there's no end to these fucking homosexual red pills, man. I'm running out of idols. I'm running out of people to... Yeah. It's just Hitler left, literally. There's only fucking Hitler. Everyone else is a homosexual. And pedophile. It's it's crazy. Crazy world out there. Uh, just like I found out that Brett Easton Ellis was a homosexual. And then uh, Chuck Polanyk is a homosexual. What the fuck's going on? Don't straight people write books? <laughs> Except Hitler? Straight people, especially back in the day, they were too busy taking care of their kids. Yeah, they didn't write any books. Yeah, yeah. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Um, yeah. I could kind of settle with, you know, Tchaikovsky, mm. who's supposedly homosexual. And then you have Oscar Wilde, fucking homosexual as well. Everything you enjoy is gay. I don't know what to do. 
We'll have to make our own things, I guess, in a future National Socialist Reich. Well, uh, our uh, Icelandic friend is feeling under the weather tonight, uh, so we have brought in a guest. Well, we would have brought in a guest anyway, but we have Marco from Serbia back on the show. Welcome back. Uh, thank you for having me again. Uh, it's um, it's amazing to be back again, actually. Uh, I think it was the last time I was here was like three years ago, something like that. Yeah, it was pre-video era that you were on, for sure. And uh, it was a fantastic, fantastic show. I have uh, war memories. Uh, do you, do you have any homosexual idols that just uh, <laughs> fall away from ruin <laughs> your childhood? <laughs> like the the only two persons you've that that I know that you've mentioned are Tchaikovsky and Oscar Wilde and. I've I knew that like I mean I I honestly think I I refuse to believe that he's he was gay I think it's just another of these uh, psyops to Psy-op. try to normalize oh, yeah. yeah like to, yeah, to, to like try that. to normalize this shit yeah. I prefer to believe wasn't that. he I thought it was Oscar Wilde it was sentence right sentence for gayness yeah no oh, for Oscar Wilde I know that but like for Tchaikovsky it's like they found out that in his letters to a certain somebody and like from what i know it's like not even erotic or anything it's like my it's dear friend romance. and stuff like that yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But i it, refuse to believe that. it's it's in the age they're like they're they're trying to turn everyone gay mm. like they they did they've been pushing that really hard with Mannerheim for for many years now what because he <laughs> yeah in finland because he never married and stuff and then it's like uh and then like many it, it comes and goes it's like every few years it comes up and somebody starts pushing that he was a faggot and uh you know i, I think they're it's in the times they're, they're trying to to find you know <clears throat> anything to 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 say that someone was a faggot yeah they have um, to justify their way of life <coughs> the new age of homosexuality so they're, they're trying to even do that like to the right wing like pushing these uh, gay jews like milo and trying to normalize that uh, gays can also be right wing mm-hmm. right yeah. i think it's um it is uh part of their like they're they're just trying to justify their like existence by pointing it's it's like the they keep talking about homosexuality in ancient Rome and stuff and ancient mm. Greece. Yeah, that was interesting uh, but, reading about that. <clears throat> yeah, but it, in, in both cases, like so-called open faggotry and, and sodomy, uh, it became prevalent just before the fall. So if anything, history teaches us that once you, you just let it go rampant, everything just comes crumbling down. Yeah, but that's what I'm seeing right now. I see the the homosexuality and the pedophilia as a sign <coughs> of this thing just absolutely toppling. Very soon. I mean, it might be 50 years away. We don't know. Like time, time is uh, crazy. Mm. So, but uh, it's definitely a sign of decay because I mean we have so many problems, and we, we're going to get into America's export of homosexuality. But we have so many problems, but the top priority is making everyone gay and also making history gay. It's just like people are literally starving in the streets. People are being raped and murdered for no reason whatsoever. But we're focused on, uh, you know, poo-poo dick. 
it's crazy. But but I also think like and and then there's there is also like the reality of things that that <coughs> arts in general have always attracted ha uh, homosexuals. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, think about theater in, in its essence. Yeah. Why would it attract, uh, why would it attract someone with a mental illness that say wants up, wants to dress up as a woman or because it, it gives them a, a avenue to, to pretend to be someone else <clears throat> without, you know, true comedy or whatever, without being judged for it because the audience is just going to see it <laughs> as an act. I mean, it's the same way why you have like kitty fiddlers going to be become priests in in the Catholic Church or working in kindergartens and stuff. It's because they they they're drawn into you know where yeah, they is... can act out act out on their their craziness. But also, Bill, keep in mind that actors uh, before were used to be regarded as uh, people almost as bad as prostitutes. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, I keep actors away from my life. How can you trust a really good actor? It's impossible. And it's, not even, it's not even that. Like, when you see all of these very good actors, it's. It, I think that acting. Like when you're when you're trying to get yourself into another persona, it puts a strain on your mind. Mm, yeah. like, when you see all these the creative, some of the best actors, yeah, yeah, and some of the best actors end up being dead; they kill themselves, mm. like, or and they end up being super depressive. Yeah, uh, I mean, in in like in Byzantium, for example, uh, uh, ancient Constantinople, uh, actors. They were pretty much the equivalent of, of modern day strippers and hookers uh, in, in social class. So, um. man, the good old days. All right, so I, I had this post on Telegram. That's why I'm talking about Arthur C. Clarke. He apparently predicted that we would have vaccine passports in 2019. He wrote a book called July 20, 2019, uh, Life in the 21st Century. And there's some passages in there about the like, vaccine passport and also about trannyism. So, <laughs> my God. But he would have known about that because then it goes on to say uh, that uh, Arthur's, Arthur lived in Sri Lanka for over 40 years and was a pedophile who said, if the kids enjoy it and don't mind it, it doesn't do any harm, there is a hysteria about this whole thing in the West. And in the fine print there was... I have never had the slightest interest in children, boys or girls. They should be treated in the same way. But once they have reached puberty, then it's okay. So he was basically living in a third world country, enjoying children. Well, and, and one thing, <clears throat> important thing, like, like even if we, we say now that Tchaikovsky was uh, a homosexual or wild versus homosexual and stuff there's there's a huge difference there in the sense that they kept it fucking private they didn't like run around half no gay pride the streets yeah no reading for children or maybe they did yeah. read i don't know no but like it wasn't like you know there's a huge difference there like like homosexuals have always existed it's a deviation of the norm People get ill in many fucking ways. There's like no ifs, buts, and around that fact. But 
there's a huge difference in in you know them keeping their shit together and and not you know rubbing it in the face of fucking children and whatnot. Yeah, but but they they yeah. hid it because it was a fetish. Yeah, it, it was regarded as a fetish. Yeah, and nowadays they're trying to push it like no no it's love. Yeah. Like, there is nothing about love there. It's a proper, uh, it's a proper fetish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is like it's like a weird fetish. Like and there's. <clears throat> like many fucked up fetishes out there. I mean, people are into all kind of shit, from you know sniffing farts to <laughs> whatnot. So, yeah, uh, normalized soon in a neighborhood close to yeah. you. So yeah, we're going getting in the hot and heavy here. Uh, I was gonna do some pre-show. We have episode two sixty tonight, and we're gonna talk about freeing Rob Rondo. He was arrested in Romania uh, last week, and uh, we're gonna we have some uh, headlines as well. We're going to deal with in the second half of the show. But first, we had donations coming in, and that was from Scaredy Cat last episode. We forgot to read her message. I'm sorry about that. I missed it. But uh, we will give you one of these. May the blessing of tear be upon you. Yeah, so you can donate on odyssey.com uh, to the show and to our movement uh, to help us grow and to, you know, show your appreciation for our hard work. And uh, you can do so by registering a user and using your debit or credit card. And you can donate during the live show, ask questions and comments, and we will get to it. Except for when I forget, then we don't get to it. But you might be lucky. It might be lucky. So I guess that's what I had for the pre-show. So we'll run a little jingle, and uh, we'll be right back. This is Mr. Bond, Propaganda Minister of the Fourth Reich. You are listening to the Nordic Frontier. The final solution to your podcast problem. Indeed it is. And speaking of political prisoners, uh, Mr. Bond, I think his... Uh, and I don't know if we, we mentioned that his uh, sentence was... Uh, his appeal was... What's that called? Not approved. He's still going to be spending 10 years in prison for writing based rap lyrics. And uh, his brother got five years... Maybe oh, I'm making this up. He got less, way less, anyway, for running a website on, with information about the you know who's and stuff like that. Some good reading material. So, yes. So we had uh, Marco on a few years ago, like we mentioned. Uh, I put in the show notes a link to our old episode where we were doing a very extensive. Uh, history lesson about Serbian history and I was surprised <laughs> when you started talking and you started uh, with uh, the 1300s and uh, went from there so it was a very very extensive show and uh, I recently re-listened to it and uh, I would say that it's timeless so if people are interested in what happened both in what happened with uh, 
the Ottomans and the Serbs, but also what happened in the 90s and what happened during First World War and the Second World War in Serbia. It's good stuff. So, yeah. Uh, how have you been, uh, Marko? What's going on in, uh, in Serbia? Well, uh, first, personally for me, uh, a, lot of, a lot has changed uh, in three years. I started uh, a different kind of life. I live uh, now with my girlfriend, so kind of... Yeah, I, th I hope that gets serious enough uh, that we get married one day. And mm -hmm. uh, well, that that depends on the money, though. That doesn't depend on the decision. Uh, but yeah, because yeah, you know, I'm not sure how how familiar people are with the Serbian economics, but it's kind of it's a poor country, so to say. But since then, yeah, we uh, organized a lot in Serbia. We have our own podcast, actually. Uh, yes. I think I've told you. Yeah. Uh, it was actually inspired by Nordic Frontier. So we run it every week uh, on uh, Wednesdays. Though it depends. Sometimes I can't make it on time, so we do it on Thursdays. But it, it, it has a, quite a following. Uh, for And it, it, it has it because it, it is the only nationalist podcast in Serbia. Like uh, mm -hmm. All others are either lefty or like cooking podcasts. or like. So what kind of stuff do you talk about on the podcast? Well... It depends. Uh, we have usually one uh, special topic or we do like an interview. We bring in a special guest. Uh, the first part of the podcast, we usually go through like the most important news, local and worldwide. So we comment on that stuff. Uh, we get very uh, excited when we comment on uh, uh, Iranian-Israeli relations because Iranians know how to be based. Yeah. And, uh, we really got excited when Iran posted a picture of uh, the, the, their rocket there. I think it was an ICBM and it said in the Hebrew, death to Israel. So yeah, we got really excited for that. But we also do like all sorts of topics. The last um, podcast was about activism, like the practical things regarding activism not nationalist theory or ideology we were giving tips on uh, people how to organize their own local groups um what are the flaws of the current serbian nationalist uh, movement and what are the pros and uh, because serbia is a country with uh, enormous nationalist potential enormous because here wokeness is not a thing so you can uh, for example for us if you say in sweden when you say sweden for the swedish You'd be called a race. You, they they call you a racist, or like uh, some people will say, yeah, yeah, that's right. We should uh, get back Sweden to Swedes. In Serbia, if you say Serbia for Serbs, they'd be like, are you mad or something? Like Serbia is already Serbian. Why why would you make it more Serbian? Like that that, that doesn't make sense. So mm -hmm. such slogans for us are like, uh, um, it's not about the slogan. What I want to say is like people are uh, very uh, well aware of their national identity. So that's why we have a lot of potential now we need to make use of it. So that's what we are trying to do through the so podcast to inform what, people. What would be topics. your slogans? Like what would be something you would be fighting for right now? Well, one of the things that we need to do is that we have to kick out the plutocrats from power that we have because we don't have, we have immigrants, though small in number, but the thing that we need to fight on, for example, is uh, to fight for, uh, for example, is to stop our government from importing more of them and kicking out the small number they have. Now the government started importing Sri Lankan uh, bus drivers to Belgrade because oh. apparently we don't have enough yeah, bus drivers. Yeah, you need Sri Lankan for sure. Yeah, they, they definitely know how to drive uh, buses. And I mean, it's, it's completely outrageous. The reason why we don't have enough bus drivers is because the salaries are too low and all of these bus drivers 
go to Germany to drive trucks. So the government thinks, no, we shouldn't raise their salaries. We have a better solution. Let's get a bunch of um, animals to drive our buses. Mm. So yeah. th that's what they do. It, it's like, a, it's not like that because you're Sri Lankans, but there's like a, a labor drain chain in Europe where a while back we we're talking about Polacks, like Polacks, they go to Sweden, they go to Scandinavia in general, and then they go to England to, to make work. And then, uh, well, England left the EU, so it might not be as easy now, but they used to. And then because uh, Ukrainians are poorer than uh, uh, then the Poles, uh, the Ukrainians went into Poland and started working in Poland. So then Ukrainians didn't have anyone, so they had to import people. You know, instead of just staying in your fucking country and working for your people, we have to, I don't know, uh, you know, exchange uh, the cheapest labor all around. It's, uh, like, it's silly. One of the one of the things they also import they import Turkish and Paki, um, like uh, construction workers. Mm. And like we have enough people for that, but we don't have enough like enough people who went to school for construction workers. Like we have proper schools who teach you how to lay bricks. And people mm. might think, oh, it's a joke. Like you know, it's easy to lay bricks. Not really. Like I yeah. have uh, comrades who work at uh, like to, at construction, and it is a it's an art. Yeah, you can do a walk in, but it, it is an art. But the problem is, like all of our skilled masons went abroad because here. Like uh, the money doesn't pay the bills, no. so they they import this these um, these people who will work for less. And the problem is like, and you know it well in the Nordics. Like at some point, you will not be able to beat them. They will always be able to work for less mm. than the average Serb or the Swede. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the point as well. I don't know. One to... of our former one of our former ministers said like a few years ago, and she's like an ultra liberal. She said that um, we have a big problem with demographics, which is true. So what we will do because we have empty villages, we will import people from Syria, and then we will fix our demographic problems. Mm. And the good thing is like people were reacting like, "What the fuck are you mad?" Why the hell would we import people from a country which is in civil war and potentially import hundreds and thousands of terrorists? Yeah, that's a good response. I don't think we had that in Sweden. There was a, a few of us that were out there saying that. And today maybe a lot of more people agree with our sentiment on that point. But it's, it's, it's a silly idea of well, you're not having enough babies, so we're just going to replace you. I mean, what the fuck? Why would that be a solution to the problem? Why not just let us have le less children, you know? Just let us stagnate or, like, but still be a cohesive nation. No, we have to racially replace you with this hodgepodge of uh, non-whites instead, which hasn't helped, really didn't. It would have been better to just have less children and work harder, I guess. Because they were going to pay nobody here, no, nobody yeah. here believes that the migrants will do any good to this country. Even the liberals don't like migrants. Like, yes, they will say, like, uh, I went to university with them, and they, like, if they would uh, talk, like, in one of these lectures, like, uh, answer a question, they will, of course, support this immigration policy and say something that would please the professor. But then, 
um, when we would sit in a cafe next to the uni. And of course they knew, like they exactly knew what, what my stances were, my, where I was standing politically. And it wasn't just like trying to get into the back of my ass or something like that, but they were honestly saying, yeah, like uh, that part of the city. And that was actually where I used to live. Like that part of the city, yeah, we don't like going there because it's like full of these immigrants and they will try to rob you and this and that. And they are like this. It's also even the liberals don't like him. Mm. No, I don't think so. I think it's a pretense that they like like them at all. I mean, if you've worked with straight off the boat refugees at any point, it's not pretty and they're not going to be able to do the work that you need them to do. It doesn't even matter if it's just putting one fucking box on one pallet and then grabbing another box and putting it on a pallet for eight hours. They they just can't do it. It's just not in them. They don't do it at home and they're not going to be able to do it here. <laughs> There's no point even trying. So, but that, that's, I think we're finding that out in Sweden at least. So that's good. We're trying to spread that message across Serbia, like to, like you know, look look at the west like the western yeah. look the western part of europe what's going on there and like people people are quite aware of what immigrants do in western europe but the thing is like the media is trying to hide it do we have a lot of strong alternative media outlets here which often post about what migrants are doing in france germany sweden and so on mm. Yeah. So people are quite aware like that they are a threat. The problem is the government is so strong here and we live in a proper authoritarian state that like you can't really do much. If they say something will be, something will happen, it will definitely happen. So let's say tomorrow our president says uh, we will change the order of the colors on our flag. They will do it. Hmm. Well, that sounds nice <laughs> if they would suggest something good, I guess. Uh, the problem and, is they never suggest something good. No, I guess that's the problem. Because I, I'm always amazed, like, for example, in Sweden, there, there's so many promises that our politicians make that sound, they don't even sound good anymore. Like, they sound like it's way too late for these solutions. But they don't even do those. They do the absolute opposite. Like, they promised to to lower the taxes and then they raise the taxes instead. And they say, oh, sorry about that. We, we needed that money because we're going to import more people that are not Swedes. <laughs> but uh, you also have the, like during Corona times, for example, like when they need to, they can make extremely radical changes very fast. Like within the week, they can fucking change the constitution if they have to, to supposedly save lives. But when it comes to just closing the border or uh, executing, not killing, just executing an order to repatriate like 2,000 Afghans that are illegal in Sweden, they've gone through court and everything, they just can't get them out of here. It's just not possible. So they just sit there and rot in one of these uh, facilities and then they run out of there because it's an open facility. Now we don't know where they are. Here, here it's quite funny when they make promises or president makes promises like we will raise your uh, uh, salaries, everything will be nice and so on and so on. And in fact, they did rise since uh, the, the Serbian Progressive Party came into power. 
like it, it doubled but the problem is the price is doubled too so technically nothing changed exactly. he's still bragging on tv how like we made the life we made the average life in serbia better now you can go and one of the best arguments they have is like now you can go buy um jeans in budapest because we are visa free we did this we did that and it's like these absolute ridiculous arguments like for example the kosovo question they are now saying like yes we should sign this agreement which basically signing the agreement would be a capitulation uh, we will that, that 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 would definitely mean that we recognize that uh, the that the cost the occupation of our territory is not an occupation but in fact like we will give away a part of our territory willingly but our prime minister who's a lesbian she said um no but like if we don't sign this agreement uh, we won't be able to travel around europe and i think that most of our citizens wouldn't would like uh, to still spend their money in shopping malls in italy and budapest and i'm like people don't have enough money to travel away from their home city let alone to travel to another country like what the what the hell are you talking about mm. yeah that sounds pretty bad but that's what they do here like they 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 send out these messages and they control all the all the television is in their hands, whether it's state-owned or private-owned, like the, the media moguls are aligned with them. So uh, we live in a kind of a media darkness. So the only source of information is alternative media, but that doesn't really get to boomers who make up the most of the population. And if it does get to them, it's usually some conspiracy theory bullshit, which is like useless and uh, doesn't really uh, inform you about anything important. No. Yeah, I, we had a, a headline from uh, Serbia just today. Yes. The Kosovo rebellion, uh, rebels, sorry, are in court in Hague this recently. Uh, this was uh, yesterday. I, I can read this little text and see if you can uh, tell us what's going on. On Monday, a trial began at the war crimes tribunal in The Hague against the former Kosovo president and rebel leader Hasim Taki. Taci? Hashim Taci. Hashim Taci. Hasim Taci. Uh, he is joined by three other high-ranking Kosovo Albanians, Kadri Veseli, Rex Hepe Selimi, and Jakub Krasniki. Krasnici. Krasnici. Uh, all former commanders of the Kosovo Liberation Army. Uh, according to the indictment, the four Kosovo bosses were guilty of murder, torture, kidnapping and per persecution of Serbs as well as Albanians and Gypsies, suspected of being collaborators. The crimes were allegedly committed during the Albanian uprising against Serbia, which began in Kosovo in 1998 and ended when the NATO alliance launched a 78-day terrorist bombing campaign against Serbia the following year to ensure an Albanian victory. It's got the uh, Nordfront slant here in the news. Uh, why, did the, what, why did they commit the crimes? The evidence will show uh, that it was to secure their power, said Alex Withing, the prosecutor, in his opening statement. All of the defendants went on to hold high positions in the Kosovo-Albanian society after the war. Hasim Taci, Taci was president of Kosovo until 2020 when he resigned over the allegations. Jakub Krasnici was 
speaker of the Kosovo parliament between 2007 and 2014, when he was succeeded by Kadri Veseli, who was speaker until 2019. All right, so we might spark some controversy here, but what's, uh, what's going on here? I don't want to like give another history lesson because uh, if I do, it might turn it into another Serbian question episode. episode. Yes, but um, I, I try to keep it as short as I can in a few minutes. Basically, first and foremost, the KLA, uh, I don't know how much people know about it, was the um, paramilitary or, or terrorist or guerrilla, whatever you want to call it, organization um, um, formed by Albanians. Uh, in the uh, late 80s at, uh, or was it the start of the 90s so it was about that that uh, those years it was formed by this guy called Adi, uh, Adam and uh, basically the origins the ideological origins which are it's it's quite strange the origins are uh, marxist leninist but it changed it changed through time uh, the these ideological basis of the KLA another point of the KLA is that uh, it started uh, it's guerrilla campaign not against the uh, Serbian police officers, but rather against uh, the local Serbian population. It started blowing up houses and so on and so on. So when the war started, uh, we basically kicked them out of Kosovo. They retreated. And when NATO intervened uh, and we uh, like kind of lost the war, signing the Kumanovo agreement, which said that it's still a part of our territory, but we can't administer it. It's under UN administration, so on and so on. They came back and started massacring anyone who wasn't aligned with them, not just Serbs, but also Albanians who were loyal to our government, got massacred. Uh, there's this monastery in uh, Kosovo, and I had been there recently. It's one of the best-preserved medieval monasteries uh, in Europe, I think, the, mo- the Dechani Monastery, which was actually um, a refuge center like a, a center for refuge for Albanians who were running away from the KLA terror because they were not just terrorizing Serbs. The Serbs were the primary target, but the secondary target were Albanians who were still loyal to our government. So a lot of people were hiding in the monastery. It was like, it wasn't just like military aged males. No, it was like complete families because these people were quite brutal in what they were doing. Now, the war crimes they are accused are not your regular like massacres or like mass uh, I don't know, shootings of people. It's also organ trafficking, which is connected to some of the highest ranking politicians in Europe. And if they get the, the, the problem with that is why they're trying to like Kosovo Albanians and in general, some politicians from Europe to say that it's a lie is because it will get a lot of European politicians in trouble because a lot of them knew this was going on on Kosovo, probably even with the support of the United States of America. Uh, and uh, Hashim Thaci, who was uh, one of the commanders of the KLA, uh, wasn't the only one involved with it. And I think uh, nothing, will go, nothing will actually go out from this trial because uh, this is not the first trial against KLA officers and commanders. One of the first ones to be um, put at court was uh, Ramush Haradine. And um, around 40 different witnesses uh, were killed or disappeared during his trial. Oh. So, yes, so they're trying to push really hard not to be um, not to be put in prison. And uh, because it will it will it will create an avalanche uh, of uh, a lot of things. 
a lot of people have to know that Kosovo is a drug-run state that most of its economy relies on black market drug trafficking. And it is known that the United States was highly involved and still is highly involved in this drug trafficking chain. Uh, A lot of drugs are being um, trafficked. I'm not sure if it's trafficked from Kosovo to the US, but definitely Kosovo is one of the routes from where drugs uh, arrive and then or are being made and then go out in Europe. Hmm. That sounds like a shit show. Yeah, like some of the one of the main financing methods of the KLA, there were two, the revolutionary tax, which they imposed on local Albanians. So basically you had to pay them or they will shoot you mm. or or they would do drug trafficking and organ trafficking. So if these guys get sentenced, they might squeal or that's what you're not saying going to happen. I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think they will squeal. The thing is like if in the investigation goes deeper, mm-hmm. they will find different trails. Uh, these trails will lead to people yes, or even, well, <laughs> definitely actually, definitely because some yeah, of the people who are involved. Organ donors, organ smuggling. Yeah. Some of the, some of the people who have been involved with this drug trafficking uh, are Jews. Hmm. God damn. Yeah, someone was asking in the chat, and I don't know if you talked about that last time, but how how are your Jewish demographics in Serbia? Well, uh, according to, I think, the last census, we have around 1,600 Jews in Serbia, which is, compared to the rest of the population, which is very close to 7 million, uh, about, I think, 6.8, I'm not sure, which is quite small, but they have a lot of power. Mm. People know about BlackRock. We have BlackRock in Serbia. Um, though it's not run by them, it's run by Serbs. Still, it's uh, it tells you a lot. Uh, one, Our finance minister, hmm, that's a very, like, why would a finance minister be Jewish? That's, like, very strange position. Yeah, for Jew, they right? don't like money. They don't like handling yeah. money. So that guy is a Jew. Our former Kosovo minister, uh, is Jewish and now he's the Serbian ambassador to the United States and one of the things about him is that he has a like if you, you would hear his name and surname you'd think he's a regular Serb like they have a lot of them have Serbianized uh, names or even not even Serbianized but like n- names that don't even have any a- a- etymological traces to any Jewish words so this guy is called Marko Juric which is like a typical Serbian name and surname yet the guy speaks Hebrew and is a practicing Jew. Hmm. Yes, Jewish crypts. But you know what Alex says? Jews have very high IQs on average. That's why they're in power and they run your economy. And uh, I am Jewish. Too, I guess. So, well, that's interesting. That's, uh, I think uh, in Sweden, it's 0.04%. I don't know years and years ago and about 20,000 Jews but now uh, when we were talking to Aaron Flam a few years ago he said it was 8,000 so he and uh, there's a lot of Jews that are saying that because of the Muslims the Jews are fleeing Sweden and especially Malmö good which is good news I guess but fuck's sake you bake the cake now they're here uh, now you're gonna flee to Israel so 
there is a funny thing about Jews in Serbia because they have a lot of infighting and not between like Sephardim or Ashkenazi. It's like just between Jews about, and of course it's about money. So mm-hmm. the Serbian government uh, was pushed into rep- war reparation towards Jews because we had uh, something called the government of national salvation during World War II, which was pro-German. And uh, basically when Germans um, took out Jews on a school trip, um, they had a lot of vacant homes. So Serbian refugees from Croatia, the government gave them these homes. And also a lot of Slovenes were living in these homes and so on and so on. So now the Jews ask for reparations because we stole these houses from them and uh, we have to pay them money. So our government said, okay, yeah. So then the Jewish community in Serbia divided into two different uh, parts one claiming that they are the official Jewish community and the other saying that they are the official Jewish community. And they went so far that they paid a bunch of, one of these groups paid a bunch of football hooligans, like proper football hooligans. They paid them to storm the Belgrade synagogue to kick out the other factions. So the, (laughs) yes, yes, that actually happened. Oh my God. So you had a bunch of football hooligans storming a synagogue to kick out the Jews. So, other Jews could set, could settle in the synagogue. But weren't they all going to have uh, the reparations? Or did they have to split the reparations? No, they, one group wants it for themselves, the other group wants it yeah. for themselves. Greed. That's what's going to get them in the end. The greed. So, yeah, if you're switching gears here, we were talking about uh, Rob Rondo and how he uh, he had some time in Serbia when he was uh, cruising through Europe. Uh, we had uh, Rob Rondo on, that's also a few years ago. Uh, he was on Nordic Frontier, where we spoke about his history with Ram and uh, his whole arrest and the whole case that's now you know, live again, uh, the reason why he fled America. And then there was a podcast, uh, he did a podcast episode with the Bellum podcast, which is our... It's our Swedish training podcast, but they uh, take in guests sometimes, and they invited Rob Rondo to talk about boxing and an active lifestyle. So those are good episodes that are linked in the show notes on NordicResistanceMovement.org if people want to check that out. Some background. So now it seems like uh, uh, Rob Rondo had a video here, but it seems like uh, Rob Rondo has uh, been arrested in Romania. And that uh, it is the same case from 2017, I think it is. It's uh, it's a while ago. So let's see if I can find the video. It's going to summarize it. I think this is the one. Here we go. In America, the thin veneer of liberal democracy is starting to be folded back and we're seeing the true colors of this regime. Center-right politicians such as Donald Trump are now being more and more politically oppressed as we see with this new indictment. Along with social media influencer Ricky Vaughn, who is quite literally facing up to 10 years in prison over a meme. And now our good friend and founder of the Will to Rise and Active Club movement, Robert Rundo, is in federal custody facing charges. When in reality, 
Those charges were thrown out years ago by a judge who ruled them unconstitutional. The reason was is because Rundo stood up against violent left-wing terrorism in our streets. The media that is trying to persecute him for doing this is the same media back in 2020 who was telling you that the Black Lives Matter demonstrations were quote-unquote mostly peaceful, when in reality it was a mob of violent Marxist extremists burning our country to the ground. If you think that the system's oppression will only apply to the quote-unquote hard, far-right, or white nationalists, you are sorely mistaken. The moment you decide to step out of line with what the regime deems acceptable, they will come after you. If we don't take this opportunity to stand against Marxist despotism in this country, your freedom will be stripped from you, and the fate of these men will be yours. So there's a message from Will to Rise, is the active club in California, I believe, uh, about uh, Rob Rondo's arrest. And uh, yeah, Rob Rondo has been a very inspirational character. He has uh, been very outspoken about this active lifestyle, and many active clubs have been created all over the white world. And uh, yeah, I would say, I, I said the other episode uh, when I'd been boxing is that his uh, like popular, popularizing boxing over the years, over the last, uh, since 2017, uh, you know, really inspired me to, to want to, well, watch boxing, but also learn how to box and uh, do some boxing. And uh, I, I did get some pushback on the episode. I have to mention that, uh, like, like uh, encouraging boxing as a professional career, uh, I'm not actually sure that that's a good idea because you're going to get brain damaged. It's just a matter of time before you get brain damaged. Uh, you can be very good at boxing, but especially in the heavyweights, the the probability of you being damaged is uh, pretty high so, but boxing as a as a thing as something that you have done in your life as an experience that you have gone through like sparring with another person and especially in a contest like if you are trying to really win it's a very unique feeling like uh, in any martial art i would say i haven't tried many i have to say 
but uh, yeah, it's a very special feeling that uh, it's uh, it's almost spiritual. So being it's part of being a man as well to take these risks. But if you if you take these risks uh, professionally for your entire life, your entire grown up life, and box until your late thirties, then I don't recommend that for sure. Just going to have that said. All right. So you said you you hung out with uh, Rob Rondo when he was in Serbia. So can you tell us how you met Rob Rondo and uh, how that went down? Well, I remember it was I think three or four years ago, and uh, he came to Serbia. Actually, uh, at that time he was living in Bulgaria, and uh, we met. Uh, some of our comrades were in contact with him and. Uh, he actually came to a different city, but then visited uh, the city where I live, Belgrade, and that's how we met. And at first, I was like, mm, "This guy is very familiar," because at the at the time, I knew about the Rise About movement, and then uh, found out, like, "Yeah, that's him." We talked about it, and then after some time, he moved to to Serbia, and he lived in Belgrade, and that's how we became very good, very good friends. We used to spend a lot of time together. I think we spend almost every single day together. And even I picked up going to the gym from him, and uh, we spent a lot of quality, good quality time. We even celebrated one New Year's Eve together, uh, went to, together to different protests. And that's, I, I think, also about the time when he started Media to Rise. Um, that, that were like the very, the, the, like the baby steps of that project. And also Will to Rise started about the, the time that I met him. Um, and at some point, he unfortunately had to leave Serbia because um, one of these uh, liberal uh, journalists um, from this uh, portal called Bellingcat, I think, um, started writing how... And th this guy is, like, absolutely obsessed with Rob Rondo, like, so obsessed that, like, he only writes about Rob Rondo. Mm. Uh, he went so far that he came to Serbia to look for him. And this guy went so far that, like, I don't know how he does it, but, for example, when Rob was in uh, Bulgaria, I think, and he took a photo in front of a wall, and, like, it's like any other wall in any other city in Europe, but somehow he found the, that exact wall on Google Maps. Mm -hmm. And, I, like, that guy's completely obsessed. And because of uh, what he wrote in uh, on Bellingcat and probably sent emails to different Serbian media outlets, there was a media outrage uh, and a lot of uh, journalists wrote about Rob Rondo. So Rob had to leave Serbia because of media pressure. Uh, and uh, it was so like really close. It's really so to funny to think about like, what did he actually do? Like, what does he but really like, like, like even even in Serbia, like at the time he wasn't like the, the, the new trial didn't even start when he left Serbia. Mm. So it was about, it was, they, they were going into it, but the U.S. wasn't, like, they, they didn't give out an arrest warrant, whereas now they, they had, had. So we had to go away from Serbia. So basically he was traveling uh, Bulgaria, Greece, Romania for some time. And unfortunately he ended up in Romania where he got arrested. And I think it was one of the, mis honestly, I think it's, it was a mistake because Romania is a proper NATO colony. Uh, and uh, some of my comrades from Romania told me, like, why Why the hell did he come here? Like, there is a 100% chance that he would get arrested here and uh, extradited to the U.S. But, yeah, that's that guy, Michael Colborn. Mm. That's him. 
he's like super obsessed with Rob and uh, like it's it's as if the guy's whole career is based on Rob Rondo. Is he suspicious <clears throat> facial features? Is he a merchant? I'm not sure, but yeah, Andreas says, and he does have very suspicious facial features. Jewish, Jewish lizards. Could be, could be. He's not a good guy anyway. Because the, the thing me is, and Rob, he's me just... and Rob had a theory that he he he's like uh, has a fetish on Rob and that he has dirty thoughts about him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't uh, put that past him. But uh, yeah, he's suspected of uh, inciting riots or. Well, the, the actual charge he's uh, being, uh, they are indicting him for is um, this uh, conspiracy, conspiracy to, to, riot. to riot. Yes. yes. So this was used, the last time it was used was in, I think it was in the 1960s. Um, for I don't know how familiar you are with the Chicago Eight. Yeah. So that was the last time that uh, indictment indictment has been used to prosecute somebody in the United States of America. So basically, that is uh, what 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 it is. What the name says, conspiracy to riot. It says that like people were organizing, secretly conspiring to organize violent riots. So basically, the argumentation of uh, the um, prosecutor uh, is uh, that Rob and Rise Above Movement purposely were organizing trainings so they, they could kind of militarize themselves and organize, be ready for violent riots. So that these trainings were not promoting a promotion of a healthy lifestyle, as the um, uh, prosecutor prosecutor says uh, it is uh, basically training to organize violent massive riots and uh, the thing uh, that they are saying is like that they were the ones who started the riots at berkeley at the battle of berkeley the uh, mm -hmm. the, the american listeners are familiar with it uh, when uh, rob was uh, arrested along with a few other american comrades uh, because it, as um, it said on the video um, they were basically acting in self-defense because Antifa at that protest were throwing rocks at the nationalist crowd. They were pepper spraying them and they got a proper reaction. And just because of one punch and a few slaps, Rob was arrested and they were trying to put him in jail. Well, he was in jail, but they were trying to put him in prison for good. Mm. But the, the judge at that first trial said that it was unconstitutional and it violates the First Amendment. Mm. So Rob was freed and he left the U.S. after that. But the prosecution was well, went very angry with it. And you could easily say that uh, this goes from like higher up ends of the U.S. government and that Rob has re some really powerful enemies, mainly the FBI, who is really like fond of arresting him and chasing him all over the world. Um, they were even searching for him in Serbia. So um, basically, these people, the prosecution, succeeded in firing the judge, who was who said that Rob, uh, that the uh, what Rob was, what they were trying to do to Rob was unconstitutional. The guy got fired. He said uh, he had a racist remark on uh, a certain judge. He said that she was street smart, and it was a African American judge. So, mm. and she was she was female, I think. But and I remember was Rob she street smart, or was she not? Uh, well, 
I don't know about her. Rob told me this, like that he he tried to compliment her, and the the liberal left media was just underhanded racist for... comments. God damn. And he got fired. So now there was a new judge. They they put a new judge, and they said, no, no, we're gonna now do another trial. And they want him on court. They want him to sit there. Uh, and I actually thought while uh, he was in Serbia, that they were they're not gonna do it. I was like, yeah, why would they chase him all the way to Serbia? He's not a threat anymore. But apparently, well, now we can actually see that they're trying to make an example of him. And not just that. Uh, I think that American nationals have to be aware of one fact that their law system is based on precedent. If yeah, Rob exactly. gets imprisoned, if they succeed in what they want to, that means that every single American group, Patriot Front, NJP, every single group that's organizing um, tra group trainings that is promoting this healthy lifestyle, and it is really that. It is not like what they're trying to, they're trying to prove that it's a major conspiracy, that they're trying to organize militant groups who are ready to create an insurgency. If Rob gets imprisoned, this will set a precedent and all of these organizations will be banned and they will start chasing all other organizations for the same thing that they're doing to that, that they're doing now to rob and um they have to be be aware of that and i was actually quite surprised and also kind of disappointed that uh, the rest of the american right did not react because this is very dangerous for the whole national scene in the scene in the united states uh, this is basically a witch hunt in the making. Mm. Yeah, it is. He's only a target because he's inspired so many white people to stand up for being white or stand up against being anti-white and to better themselves and to organize into groups and to practice self-defense, I would say, become strong and smart. <clears throat> well so so just to make sure so the charges are exactly the same right yes because they 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 appeal they went to the court of appeals and the court of appeals decided that the decision that the judge that, that was made in the first uh, court case yeah. wasn't unconstitutional and now they're putting him again on trial for the same right. charges <laughs> and it, it's a proper political court it's a, it's a phony court it's nothing else than that it's a political yeah. but, show but, but, but it's a local like it's a state court right uh th that that's one of the problems that i'm not mm -hmm. sure of because I, some of his comrades got arrested for like uh inciting violence uh, on a federal level and i think uh since it was the fbi chasing him that they are trying to make it or they already made it into a federal case mm. yeah Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm now I'm now reading I'm now reading a, a document from the U.S. Attorney's uh, Office. Uh, so it says uh, the press release, which was made in October uh, 2018, four local members of white supremacy group face federal charges. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. but <clears throat> it's interesting. So and the charges were inciting. Well, I mean, it can still go back and forth. Like uh, the the thing in U.S. legal system, it, it it can like cases can take up to fucking ten years, uh, especially if they become constitutional issues. <clears throat> yeah, well, it, it is it is it is a problem. Firstly, because the system is 
yeah. it, it looks like the system is very eager to push this narrative that they are a violent group that was, uh, as this uh, press release says, that they were trying to organize attacks at, at political rallies. It, it, it's, it's very obvious that these people want to use this case to crush the whole nationalist movement in the United States, which is getting more popular by the day. And it's mm -hmm. obvious, like when you see these groups there, like, first of all, the active clubs are springing around like, you know, mushrooms in the rain. Uh, you have Patriot Front, which has grown massively over the years. You have the NJP. You have loads of podcasts who are making people, you know, becoming race conscious, conscious of the situation that's going on around them. And the system does not like that. And they want to stomp this. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's interesting. The problem is like, well, I think maybe now with Trump in, <laughs> Trump being a, uh prosecuted and arrested so i mean if that doesn't wake people like your average conservatives up that the system is completely fucking bonkers uh, then nothing quite frankly will like if 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 i think he's the first president to, to yeah. be yeah he is uh, uh, for 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 quite frankly a pretty like a shit charge mm -hmm. like there's a former presidents that done far worse things uh and nothing ever happened so we'll see i mean it, it's the alo like they need to they need as a society they kind of need to hit rock bottom before anything starts to happen and i don't think many people are at rock bottom yet so it's gonna take a while mm. we also had the case with uh, ricky vaughn that was mentioned in the video there <clears throat> this is Douglas Mackey, known as Ricky Vaughn on Twitter, during the uh, well, the Trump presidential campaign in 2016. He tweeted a meme about the Democrats being able to vote if they texted this and that number. And because uh, he was quite the influence, he had uh, 58,000 followers and he was very popular. He was bigger than most mainstream media back then on Twitter. Uh, he had to be made an example of, so he was doxxed and he was, I don't know if he was arrested or what's been going on ever since, but now he has been to court and he has been sentenced for this uh, meme and he faces up to 10 years in prison for that. That's also a precedent, you know, that's going to be used against everyone making jokes about Minecraft and shit on Twitter and on public social media platforms. He didn't do it under his real name. He was doxxed and now he's going to prison. We will see how many years he's going to be spending there, but up to 10 years. So one after the other are, I wouldn't say that Ricky Vaughn maybe is our guy or anything, but our... People, representatives, are being put in prison for just speaking out. Very tame stuff. Like, this is very tame. I've seen worse just this afternoon. So, it's crazy. Any comments on Ricky Vaughn? Did, did you know about Ricky Vaughn? Uh, did you follow him at the time? 
actually, I, uh, this is the first time I hear about the guy because oh. I'm not really, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really that much online, and only have begin began to be online like when I installed Telegram, but. But for example, I don't even have a Twitter account, so because here it's really Twitter in Serbia is um, it's just a cesspool of liberals. Like nobody else uses it except liberals, and mm. there is nothing really smart to hear on Serbian Twitter. So I, I, I quite I stay stay out of it. Uh, I don't want to even talk about Reddit. Yeah, we so it, it, yeah. But though it is interesting that there are actually some Serbian nationalists using it, mm. but like. Yeah, but I, I don't it, like really to spend that much time. It can work like locally for different languages for a while. Like Swedish Twitter is quite open uh, when it comes to criticizing uh, Muslims and immigration. But if you start talking about Jews, they will ban you just the same. But uh, yeah, that, that that could work. I mean, Mike is a he's a Reddit veteran. He was uh, <laughs> he was back in the day when you could actually post shit on there. Yeah way way back yeah in many years but like every platform it it went to from uh now it's from a, tranny a place platform. tranny violence yeah, it, it went from a place that was always kind of leftist but you kind of you would still get away with things to nothing like even the most mundane shit gets like banned i mean they, they banned the, the donald trump subreddit i mean <laughs> yeah that's spicy stuff in there the Marga memes. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, uh, yeah. Uh, there will probably be some sort of fundraiser when the details are made known about what's going on with Rondo. Well, currently, what I can say is that he's in Romania. Mm-hmm. And what we know, he's in Romania in a Bucharest prison. Uh, well, jail, not prison. And uh, I'm not sure if they started uh, the uh, case for the extradition, but what my Romanian comments told me that he could be actually sitting in that place for some time, like uh, days, weeks, even months before the court decides them to get, decides to get, send them to the U.S. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, we and will... the worst thing is like nobody can get in contact with him. Like we can't. Even, he, his girlfriend, which is. Uh, very good friend of mine and my girlfriends, like the four of us, Rob, his girlfriend, my girlfriend and I, we used to hang out all the time. We used to go out. Uh, like she can't get into contact with him at all. Hmm. Yeah, that's really horrible. So, yeah, but we will keep people posted, uh, the listeners posted about the situation and any way to support Rob once anything's known just like we did for mr bond uh, and uh yeah so that's uh what we know for now so i thought we would have a little short break here uh we have uh norm mcdonald is doing a skit for a few minutes and uh we'll be back after the break and story career that you consider specifically to be in bad taste as you look back on it maybe at the time you thought it was a good play but you look uh, back on it and you think that was in bad taste well sometimes like in stand-up i'll do jokes that are uh that i th- like one time i was doing this thing in san francisco and they were all gay uh, people in the audience they told me so i figured out in do san it. francisco yeah. no <laughs> so i figured i'd do stuff about gay people so that they could relate to yeah it. it's warm up right. <laughs> they love that and so i was talking about because i went to this gay pride parade 
And I saw in it there were these uh, old men and old ladies like with these uh, signs that said, we are proud of our gay son, you know? And so I was saying, that's an odd thing to be proud of, you know, because it's not an achievement, you know? It's not like something you work all your life to be gay or anything like that. And I, I just wondered, I just, I, I had a hard time believing that these 50, 60 year old men are actually bragging, you know, at work like they're, hey, uh, Bill, you know, uh, my kid, oh my God, we're proud of him, Johnny. He uh, graduated from Harvard, you know, a first in his class, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, now he's articling over at a law firm and, uh, oh yeah, he loves cock. <laughs> you know? This kid. He can't get enough cock in his mouth, his ass, his kid's always cock. I got a, I got a picture of the boy here sucking another man's cock. I want to show it to you. To watch the maturation of you as an artist, to realize it took you nine and a half minutes to get around to the sucking cock stuff. It's beautiful to see you comfortable in your own skin, Normie. All right. Yo, this is Rob Rondo here from Wheel to Rise. You're listening to the Nordic Frontier, the final solution to all your podcast problems. The uh, final solution to all your podcast problems. Reality check, rampant hacking, identity theft, mass surveillance. Defending yourself today is not an option. It's a requirement. Introducing the Conceal Shield Travel Pack from DefenderShield.com. Conceal Shield is cutting-edge wireless blocking technology that eliminates all signals, including EMF, GPS, and RFID. Place cell phones, credit cards, IDs, and other trackable items into the Conceal Shield, and they become totally invisible. Get Conceal Shield now at DefenderShield.com. Use promo code CONCEAL for 10% off. Guard your privacy, secure your data, and protect your health with Conceal Shield. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com All right, how suiting that we had some Rob Rondo jingle there. And uh, we had some Norm comedy. Oh man, I miss him as much as I miss Hitler. He's, uh, he's a legend. And let's, uh, let's have a look at the, the Norm uh, bite palette. Hitler is the greatest man who's ever lived. You know, I just don't know how six million uh, people disappear from the from the face of the earth. One of the biggest anti-Semites I've ever met. That's called anti-Semite. Fucking commie gobbledygook. Wait, are you Jewish? Kidding, I love, <laughs> I love the Jewish people. Yes, of course. He's, uh, he's well missed. All right, uh, we have some donations coming in. We can round them up. Uh, we have uh, Peter Gibbons coming in with, my rabbi gave me some tips. He made sucking baby penis earlier. So here it is. Well, thank you very much. Happy Nordic Thursday. And you guys in the chat better be donating. Yeah, that's true. Peter is a, a role model. He's an executive producer of the show. But he says goes, so donate more money. Uh, Mr. Ray G, also executive producer. I got the virus. Hoax 19. 
my lungs hurt. I have a fever and my whole body is cold and weak. But here's something to keep ketchup bottles on the dinner table. I'm also going to avoid my conscription and leave the army. Also for Marco. Sivela Srbija. Serbia. Zivela. Sa Zirbiu Ubijam. Sirbiu Srbim. That's my Serbian. Pretty solid. Thank you very much, AG. We have D Salon 7 coming on. Serbia strong. Remove Zog. Uh, freedom to all political prisoners. Yes, indeed. We have Kroka coming in. He says, there is a slave uprising in my colony, and as a result, my this as a result of this, my cash flow has been severely diminished. I will do better soon. Prisa Allah. <laughs> Price Allah. Uh, scary cat back with another donation she says dear andreas i'm just about two interviews in a little shop they needle people for their 4 a.m dawn shift thus i'll have pocket money to send for your essential work all humanity should be pouring cash into you and your friends effort to save your families and your nation from incalculable harm caused by the jew community Thank you very much. And there, Sherisker, coming back with another donation, he says, Well, gentlemen, you are experiencing a wonderful social order called democracy. Keep on fighting. Freedom for our comrades. Yeah, I'm not a big democracy fan, i got to say. Never was. Never understood the big deal. I, I would rather have uh, anarchy than this fucking democracy, i got to say. So... Right, moving into the second segment of the show, we have some headlines here. One of them is Nordfront's April Fool's joke, which was pretty spicy. And uh, some people fell for it. Let's let's start about that. Uh, So what they said was... God damn it, I've got to pull up the article here. It says, Nordfront is uh, collecting money for Russian drones and everyone's like oh. it says on Mon- oh, Jesus fucking Christ there as everyone knows the Swedish government is sending large amounts of weapons to Ukraine to kill Russian soldiers and prolong the war in protest against this Nordfront is now organizing a fundraiser to finance drones for Russia there will be Iranian these will be Iranian drones of the Shahed 131 model, 131 model, that we are buying from Russian for the Russian army. Iran has promised to remove the weapon systems from the drones so that they can only be used for rec- recon- reconnaissance, thus protecting Russian troops from any Swedish weapons. Protect, thus protecting Russian troops from any Swedish weapons sent to Ukraine. As anti-Zionists, we have received a good price of 20,000 Swedish kroner per drone from Iran. The goal is to raise at least 200,000 kroner to buy 10 drones. To support the fundraiser, swish your contribution to number. Uh, Mark the transfer with bike purchase. The money will be converted to crypto and sent to Iran, making it impossible to trace the transaction back to the donor. Yeah, it's definitely impossible to see who has donated on swish with the bike purchase <laughs> the heck? Uh, but uh, yes be careful out there people don't swish for drones 
So a lot of people uh, as last year uh, went uh, crazy. And the funny thing is that as people know this is a very hot topic and you shouldn't uh, joke about these serious things. I don't know who these disgusting people at North Front are. They should be ashamed of themselves. But, you know, they made a joke. Uh, and a lot of people fell for it. So you had people supporting this thing. They wanted to donate a lot of money for drones. And then they obviously had people disgusted by the joke or by the article. And uh, they wanted to know what the fuck's going on at Nordfront. So, yeah, Mike was really excited about this. Uh, did you fall for it or did you no. know it was a joke? I knew. You flew off your chair. God damn it, I'm going to fucking drive there and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> no, <clears throat> April Fool's works really bad for me because like one of my, and we, we talked about some episodes ago, like, so an audience member asked about friends, like, do you keep many friends? One of my oldest childhood friends' birthdays on May uh, on April 1st. Mm. So I, I kind of always end up having... You always remember that what, it's that day, yeah. Yeah, so it, okay. then that doesn't really work. Did you buy it last year? Did we discuss last year's? Uh, it was one year that I, I kind of completely forgot. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. So the, the, the one last year was that the EU Commission had uh, banned their IP address or their web service or something like that, their web hotel, so that the Nordfront website was shut down. Yeah, 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 that was like, yeah, that kind of got me off guard. I, I think I still kind of knew it was <laughs> 1st of uh, April, but considering how possible that thing could yeah it's be very likely to happen at some point yeah the, the funny thing they discussed in the daily show and had a whole bit about how angry they were with the, <laughs> the eu commission for doing it so that's hilarious but i remember one year and this is uh, i think this is 2016 when they made uh, a, a long article about how uh, nordfront and the Nordic Resistance Movement, because it was the movement's website back then, Nordfront. And it was both news and the organization. But uh, they had the news about buying a um, refugee center. And they, they were buying an old, like, well-known, uh, like, almost cultural heritage buildings, like, uh, in Dalarna. It looked really nice, so you could have, like, people staying there and stuff. And they were buying it for the purpose of housing refugees because they had realized how much money we could be making from housing refugees. And then when this has been funding our movement for several years, we will just uh, kick them out and take the money. And a lot of people actually believe that to be true because it was a well-written. Yeah. And I, believe, I wanted to believe it back then. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Because... You know, uh, Bert Carlson, he was doing it back then. Yeah. Yeah. He was funding all these, uh, like, he's a disgusting <laughs> capitalist, but he was uh, buying up all these shitty houses and housing refugees because he was really good money. The state was just pouring money on people to house these people. But uh, a lot of that money had to be spent on uh, refurbishing these buildings after they'd been there. 
So a lot of hotels actually lost out on that deal. Really nice, fancy hotels housed these people, and they absolutely wrecked them. So, Imagine how stupid and greedy you must be to think that you will gain anything from housing these people who like literally like trash everything they touch. Mm. Yeah, I think in, in the case of Bat Carlson, like he's a interesting character. Like Swedes know him. He's like a household name, but he, he used to produce like the first Sweden metal, Sweden Viking metal band, I guess. Ultima Thule, I don't know what ca- what genre they categorized themselves in, but they were very big in the 90s. And he signed them up on his label and made a lot of money on that. So people have always seen him as... And he also had a populist kind of nationalist yeah. party that had a lot of success in the early aughts. So yeah, they people even have, got into the parliament. So. Yeah, they got over 4% on their first election. It was crazy. And then they just shut it away. And, uh, yeah, so people have always seen him as kind of a nationalist populist. And then when the immigration crisis of 2015 hit, he starts buying up all these shitty houses, <laughs> inviting all these Afghans. People were, like, so disgusted with him. And now he's trying to re- rehabilitate his uh, reputation with his YouTube channel, talking about the problems of immigration. I knew this all along. Fuck's sake. Like, uh, yeah, he's just like Trump. Like, he's, he's the Swedish Trump, like, uh, just it's feeling actually, the mood. actually the is. Yeah. Like, where Trump is, you know, <clears throat> in real estate, <laughs> he is in, in music and entertainment. Yeah. Uh, but, but the, like, very, like, self-centered, very uh, vocal, like, quite literally. <laughs> it's a good good comparison. Yeah. So it's just the eternal grift once again. So that was fun. Uh, April Fools, always a pleasure. Especially when people buy into it. Because it has to be kind of controversial as well. It doesn't have to, but it's good when people are upset and disappointed to find out that it's a lie or that it's a joke. So that's... uh, uh, we also want to mention the results of the Finnish election. Uh, this might be something up your alley, Mike. Have you been keeping up with the election? Uh, well, kind of, actually, this time around. I usually just stop <laughs> following any kind of news when election comes around. But but this time uh, I did. Uh, it, it's... Same old, same old. Nothing, nothing new there. But, hey, you but lost I mean, Booba, come on, you're, you're <laughs> shifting paradigm yeah. shift in Finland now. No more Booba. <clears throat> but I, I've been more enjoying the, the, the following the commentary of of people in general. <clears throat> it seems like <clears throat> in in many cases, Finland is more polar, polarized than it's been been in a very long time, but. So to make a long story very short is that, you know, this feminist government has been a complete catastrophe. You know, government's spending has been completely crazy. Government has taken on more debt than ever before in history, I think. <laughs> and uh, 
it's been a giant shit show and you know and they've been uh, you know we're gonna be carbon neutral before 2035 and all, all kind of like stupid mm, shit nice. and and people are really pissed off and fed up and they're like you know you could sense that even even your average normies were like no i'm not having this again and uh, so they people kind of went out and, and voted the problem is that they voted for the <clears throat> the conservatives uh, who mm. won the won the party. But, did literally the exact same thing as Sweden did. It's funny. Yeah, but then like a lot of the the pain points that people have been raising during the past years about like your know, fuel is expensive and this like you know five million people country to save the world. <laughs> Is it like the the environment's not gonna like you know it's complete nonsense and crazy. But even before the election, the the, the Petri Orba, the, the the leader of the conservatives, quite literally said that they are gonna stick with that twenty thirty five goal. And and you know he's he's extremely leftist, and and there's a lot of <clears throat> the conservative party has actually seen a lot of. It, it's old, older guard members and even younger ones just leave because they're like basically saying that you know this more and more left, like it, it's there's no difference soon. <laughs> anyway, they they kind of got elected in and voted <clears throat> voted uh, as the winner. So that it's been interesting to, to follow the discussions because like you have these conservatives who are saying that haha leftists are out and and uh, now things are going to change and you're just sitting here baffled about do these people actually think that like are they this <laughs> delusioned uh but then we have the true Finns or Finns party as they're called now <clears throat> nowadays they got second i mean there's a lot of they're, they're not as bad as the sweden democrats in <laughs> in yeah. in sweden but uh you know <clears throat> it's still i mean i would rather have them there than than nothing. Uh, but what what, to, what to were they saying before the election? Do you know? Like, what were they talking points? Well, their talking points were very much, uh, you know, that they they were, they were actually I think the only party that were like this. You know, twenty thirty five goal is stupid, and you know, uh, you, you know, high inflation and stuff, and and we can't keep on doing this. That it's more expensive for you know your average families to. <laughs> to use a car and, you know, just get around it. You're, you're, you're just your daily life has become so expensive, uh, which they, to their fairness, I've been saying for, for, for a long time, it's not something they kind of just took up right now. And they, they kept um, being, you know, the immigration debate, like their stance on immigration hasn't really changed much over the years. Um, the problem there is, of course, that if they join a, a government, and this is the the thing that a lot of people kind of fail to realize is as long as you have a a a system like this where the winner doesn't take it all they they kind of have to to share power uh that means that they have to make compromises so if they want to get into into the government they they will have to make concessions on, on a lot of issues so even if the Finns party uh, or Sweden Democrats in Finland or whatever were entering the government, they're never going to get through their, their like even their 
uh, more light versions of their immigration policy because in order to get into government they have to agree on on different things <clears throat> uh, on a on a government like the the political program for that 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 government uh, so I've actually been <laughs> I mean if you have a system like this, it would actually be better than that okay say so you have an election every four years who whatever party wins the most votes they run the whole fucking show for four years they don't mm -hmm. have to build a coalition they just that party runs the show for four years then you you have a new election that would be way better because then you wouldn't get all these fucking compromises that they <laughs> because now that the, the political promises the parties make during election they don't mean anything because yeah. like if they don't get full majority or, or like majority always, so that they uh, blame it on the others that it was yeah. too hard to push through so if the system was like you know it doesn't matter if the biggest party gets like 29% then that's the biggest party they run the show for 4 years doesn't matter if the others lost uh, that would be much more interesting to see because then then it would actually be uh, based on on party politics and purely on the promises they're making uh, in in the election but yeah I got a question, like, what yeah. is this kind of sick trend that, like, I've noticed, like, the leaders of political parties, or at least the person, people who represent them in Finland, mm. like, most of them are female. Is this some kind of a propaganda trick or, like, because I know that in the previous election, most representatives of political parties uh, were men, like Antti Rinne was in uh, the Social Democrats, or Yusi uh, Ralaho was in uh, the True Finns. Well, it's the <clears throat> it's the party that elects the party leader. Uh, I've actually asked myself that question. I, I think in in some parties, like in in some parties, it it's definitely been a thing that they have actively gone out to. <laughs> To, to pick a, a female. <laughs> but I think in, in many parties, it, it is basically more of a coincidence uh, that it, it this just happened. Because like, from what I understand from, from the, the Finns party, for example, they had Halaho before this uh, new one, Rikapura, is actually very popular uh, in the party. And, and I must admit, she... She says a lot of things that I don't haven't seen many men there to say. So I mean, it's not all all bad. But I would say that in the in the leftist party and the green party, I would I would assume that it's been an active choice. Like you know, we're gonna make sure. And there's no speculation because the greens completely flopped this election. So. Uh, there's this speculation that the next one who's going to be leading the Green Party is going to be someone with an immigrant background, you know, some Hayatollah or whatever. <laughs> Spicy. Uh, but yeah, because like now, I think there's right now of the bigger parties that the parties in parliament, I think it's only two that have a man running it. Right now, but, but yeah, it's three. I think uh, Lieke and, uh, and uh, that uh, thing uh, VKK, VKK. Yeah, but they're they're not even in parliament. They, oh, they they're not. No, well, they they were because like the guy split from his party, 
created his new party. So technically they were in parliament because he kind of created him it while he still had a mandate. <laughs> but he didn't get re-elected. They just like he he lost everything because he's extremely pro-Russian and <laughs> that's not not, not something you, you do in, not something you do in this country if you want to be elected. How uh, did he think he will get elected with that platform? Start taking too much steroids as my my guess <laughs> and during his his uh, his career uh you know does damages to your brain. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, to answer your question, I don't, I don't think it's completely like it's something that, that they've all been kind of planning, uh, but who, who the hell knows in these days, to be honest. I thought, I thought like it was a propaganda stunt for every party because like the same trend is going on around in Europe. Yeah, and trying to push these female leaders. Uh, and, uh... Yeah, every party has their own way, but like for example, the 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 big, the traditional or or even the Finns party is like the 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 members of the party like vote, like they they give you they give a vote. So it's it's like they would have to convince a shitload of people inside the party <laughs> that you have to vote for a female for that to be be a thing. And and even in the you know the conservative party that now won <clears throat> you know there's still a lot of old school conservatives there who uh who do not agree with and it, and actually i think that's the most interesting party of them all in in from a political sense to be observing <laughs> because traditionally uh the, the finnish conservative party like they not long ago they they still kind of went under the mantra of let me translate it to, to english it's like uh, home, religion, and, and nation, basically. That, that were always the three pillars of their party. And, and you know, very much you no know, heart, heartland, uh, nationalist sentiments, uh, anti-communist, anti-leftist. That's been the foundation that party was, <laughs> was founded on. And, and pretty like late in their history, it's still been. And there's a lot of these people still around in that party. Uh, and a lot of them have started jumping ship now lately, but but there's still a lot of that left. And I know for a fact, uh, uh, we inside information, but but basically, there, there's been a internal strife in that party, like since 2007 ish, <laughs> where especially within the youth organization, because what usually like most parties have the party and then they have the youth organization and usually from that youth organization uh the the next generation kind of rises to to the party and in in the youth organization there's been this on ongoing battle since since 2007 with this nationally more like actual like conservative nationalist uh minded like old school nationalism uh, minded uh, versus the more modern and they're in the youth uh, there's a lot of criticism in the youth to, to this this current, like with was Jyrki Katainen, the fur, former prime minister from that party, and then Orpo and and the like the clique they have there uh, are not very liked among many of the of the younger ones. So who knows what happens to that party later on? It's but it's interesting to see because it's it's a it's clearly a party in 
in in in internal strife that doesn't really show up to the surface but there's a lot of pushing and pulling inside of it compared to whereas you know social democrats and stuff they you know they took the woke plunge a long time ago without much opposition internally yeah so uh, yeah we can also mention that the Sini Mustalike had uh, 2300 votes yeah. in the election and I mean it's not going to take them anywhere but it's not a bad number for a small first time party with no, such a like, radical platform that, that they do have. Yeah, and like in every country, like most parties that aren't the big ones <clears throat> will get very, very few votes. And, uh, you know, oh, I mean, true Finns are a bit of an extraordinary, actually. You have to give them that bit. Like, they're, how old are they? 20, 20 years ago? 25 years ago? But they're a very new party who who started from basically uh, from from nowhere. Uh, they were like a continuation of this one old party that kind of went away and died. Uh, but but they made an actual looking at a historic perspective, kind of meteoric rise to the position they are in. Because if you compare it to the Greens, uh, they were at it far longer before they started getting political traction. Yeah, and so, they've had. I'm not saying that the, the true Finns are not controlled opposition, but the Green mm. Party has had a lot of backing in all of our countries. All these yeah. Green parties have had a lot of uh, kosher money pouring mm. in. And that is something, I mean, it's, it's very easy to become kind of black pill with, with these kosher or controlled opposition parties and stuff. But if you look at beneath the surface, like, that the fact that that party that constantly gets labeled as racist, constantly gets attacked for by the media, constantly gets like tarnished as this like far right party and this, that, and the fact that they get this many votes says a lot about the, the popular opinion, like in the, among the people. And that is a, that is a white pill uh, because that means that, you know, people do still value, <coughs> uh, you know, uh, the, the nationhood, they, they don't want this gay shit everywhere. They don't want this, you know, banned plastic straws and crap that they keep on throwing at us. Like, that is still out there. You just need to tap into that. And and I think, like, that's where... And the same in Sweden, you know, like, it's easy to get disillusioned with the Sweden Democrats. But if you look at how much support they already have, okay, they're, they're kind of cocked out pretty much on every point they have, but... But so yeah, but the, the only th reason why yeah. people vote for them is because yeah. the media is calling them racist. Yeah. So and people that's think so, that they are the solution yeah. to immigration. Yeah. And that's the thing that that's you should. That's how we should look at it. Mm. You always need to look at it from that perspective, because that keeps you motivated, because it's the truth. There's the, the votes are out there. You just need to 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 keep keep the struggle going. I don't know why why these conservative parties tend to well conservative or like trying yeah. some of them nationalists try to tame their image or in this in the in the example of the National Front they change the name they, they rebrand which is a from a marketing standpoint a big mistake 
And then, like, I don't know if you guys know that the National Front uh, one or two years ago issued an official statement saying that they are against transphobia on the streets of France, arguing that Islam uh, and Islamism is against trans people, so they need to defend trans people against Muslims. And they're trying, so with that, they're trying to attract people who are like for trannies, but also for against Muslims. And what they succeeded is that they ruined their party. They lost all the hardcore voters that have been following them for years. And now that in this moment that the, when France needs the National Front that it was during Jean-Marie Le Pen, um, now it got like a even a party, I think, even worse than, than Sweden Democrats. Like they, they went so cucked that it's disturbing. It's because they've been taken over from the inside. And that's something like uh, people kind of really need to learn is that just because a party was something 10 years ago or five years ago <laughs> or 20 years ago doesn't mean that it's going to stay the same. And And the thing is that when it comes to mainstream politics, there's always two forces at play. There's the ones who actually want to change things based on what they actually believe in. And then there's the ones who, 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 who are in it for the money and, and, and the power and the position. And, and it's, the, it's the duty of the, of the members of any party uh, to make sure that the second faction doesn't ever get hold or power. Because if, if you let those people take power, that then, then it's all over. Because then it becomes like the Sweden Democrats in Sweden, that they want to keep their cushy jobs, they want to be you know, members of parliament, they get all the benefits. Like They're in it for the money, they're not in it for the cause. <laughs> Hmm. And, and a, a lot of parties break up due to this reason that they let too many of these people in. And then there's also the problem is that most political parties don't have any system of vetting people. They just allow anyone who wants in, file an application. Whoops, you're in the party. You get a vote in party matters. You know, you can be a hard, like you can be a, a, an anarchist leftist and join the Sweden Democrats because they're not going to make any, any checks. Yeah. And and this is what the enemy or 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 the, the left re does really well. Like the, the the long march through the institution is is something they do well. But they're more patient than the nationalists or right wing people in general. Yeah, but they don't mind. I don't they, know they about are. the march to the institutions. It was a top down revolution. So I mean, they no, had no, but they everything still, served no. to them. No, no, listen to like, how, like the thing I've seen this in the business life as well. Like, how these you get one of these fucking woke shits into a company in a position where, from top from the top. No, 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 I've seen it happen where somebody gets hired as a recruiter, mm. they weren't picked, they just were hired as one of the applicants, and then they start filtering who they hire, who they put up. Because in, in many companies, for example, the HR department will when when you put up a position uh, that i want to hire the manager will only see like 10 or 15 cvs there might have been 200 applicants and hr just weeds out everyone else so they're they're in they're in a position where they can control who gets past the gate 
And this is how the thing, and this is what they do in, in municipalities. This is what they do in, in political parties. This is what they do. And this kind of also brings up to the age-old question uh, that the Nordic resistance movement often gets, is that why do you call yourself national socialist? Wouldn't it be much more prudent and, and, and strategic to call yourself something else? <laughs> but but the, having the term that you're a national socialist is the antidote of like... Neo-Nazi terror leader. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. There, there's, there's very few people who want to... They're so afraid of that label that they just fucking stay away if they're not serious. Uh, <clears throat> so, so that that's a kind of a built-in self-defense system there. But, but to answer your question, I think that's what happened in France: is that you got you got the the daughter of uh, John Marie Le Pen, and then, what's her Marine, Marine Le, Pen. Le Pen? Yeah, Marine Le Pen. Yeah. yeah, you got her, and she was like, you know, she's most, dropped out uh, now, hasn't she? Up. Yeah, and then then you have you have the the you know there, there's this like generational softening, and there you know you you become comfortable in your political jobs. You don't want to you know being in Brussels, for example, as an EU member of EU Parliament. Holy shit, you make a lot of money, mm. and you have a lot of perks and stuff. For many people, they don't want to take a step back from that. So what do they do? It's like, all right, for me to to stay in office. I need to make sure that I get X amount of votes. Okay, so what's the path of least, restric- uh, re- least resistance? Keep on my radical reforming line and hope that we get a lot of more. I get enough votes, or soften things a bit, and then I get definitely are going to get more votes. And and that that's that's how they then kind of start going in, and it becomes yeah. more diluted and stuff. But and then the last thing, yeah, go on. Finish. The last problem I see that, and I think the true Finns at least, I don't know how it is in Sweden because you don't have separate municipal elections, for example, but the true Finns is a really good example of this. So whenever there's a national election, like now, when there was a parliament election, uh, the core of the voters of true Finns, like who are party members and stuff and core voters, high as fuck turnout. Like they really do get a lot of their like core support to make the effort to go vote for them. But then in all these municipal smaller elections, they have a really hard time getting people to go and like, you know, get off the couch and go vote for them. And and this is something that, that we can see even in our circles. There's a lot of people talking and whining and pissing and moaning on Telegram and stuff. But as soon as you tell them that, hey, activate yourself join a movement do something you know like nah nah i don't wanna it's too much work you know (laughs) so Mm. uh, we also need to become better in being active more vigilant more more like you know uh, like if you join for you need short-term goals as well like the party is in itself they have a purpose you know yeah they they are there to win election they are there to you know promote the party you also have a lot of opportunism going on in these yeah. parties, like uh, all these notables of the parties who are members of parliament. They are opportunists through their personal ambition. And, mm-hmm. uh, and generally, they camouflage their ambition. Um, and they say, like, uh, they have these abilities to do this and that. We will do this and that. And in the name of these abilities, these people support 
various laws, referendums, uh, or they would be they would advocate interests of uh, certain enterprises. And behind each of these positions, there is a prospect of a medal uh, or a new uh, newly elected position, like whatever they would uh, support in parliament, like they would nuance their views or they would uh, mod make them even more um, mild. Uh, they see like an award or an election and they, uh, when they feel uh, that the wind of political change can uh, become violent, even seditious, um, they will, you know, go away from that. So if we would have a politician who comes in with a very radical position, which is, I think, what happened to Donald Trump, who maybe really believed in what he was saying, and yet he kept out during um, his uh, period as the president of the U.S., he just, uh, you know, went away. And in general, these people, when they try to give, and it is the same thing with all politicians, though, when they try to give strong speeches or like violent, energetic these speeches don't frighten anyone. They don't move anyone because they are not sincere, you know, and uh, they would attack a man, a government, but they are very careful not to attack the principle, which is actually the system. So yeah. if the wind turns, they will not hesitate to betray their flag and their comrades uh, because the seat uh, in the parliament for them is not a means, but an end in itself. It must be kept at all costs. So these simple partisans are opportunists through lack of doctrine and formation. And uh, to give like a trust to a smooth talker and to superficial impressions, rather to the political analysis of ideas or facts, it's basically like you become, you, you lose your freedom or like you, you're, you're stupid if you don't see that behind these fancy words, are people who never do anything. They get re-elected over and over again, and they never do anything. No, and I think uh, as a nationalist movement, we are in a unique position of we can't offer anyone any rewards. You know, like you were talking about that you have um, individuals to join a party with individual ambitions of, well, making money, but also... You know, having some fame and making some good talking points and working themselves up into a cushy position where if they get elected, if their party is elected anywhere, they're basically set. They're never going to, as long as they're not doing anything controversial, they can diddle kids and do all that stuff on the side, whatever. But, uh, you know, they will uh, have a very cushy life. Whereas if you join a nationalist, like a radical nationalist movement, there is only pain and suffering. <laughs> There's only the struggle. That's only it's the only thing we can offer you. Because it's sincere. It's yeah, absolute but, sincerity. But that's why people. It's hard to sell to normal people. Like yes, give up everything you have for this. And it's hard to define what this is unless they understand it themselves. It's just something very deep and profound that they have to kind of find themselves. And some people do. But at the same time, we have had opportunists that come into the movement and they're running on basically narcissism. And then after a while, they get bored because they're not getting all the attention that they were hoping for. So they start doing something else like ratting out to the Antifas or, you know, going to the ADL or something. But you're always going to like that. That's the thing in... You're always gonna have these these people, and and it goes back to 
to like it, it's the duty of 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 the like in a country it's the duty of the nation to to weed out the the, the rotten apples but in in any group or party it, it's mm. like the thing is you need ambitious people like yeah, if you don't exactly. have amb- ambitious people you're not gonna get fucking anywhere that's just how it is but yeah. it's the duty of the others to make sure that the, the ambitious people don't get you know uh greedy greedy and stuff that they like you know feed the ambition and be like you know supportive of the ambition but but make sure that you know it it doesn't corrupt them <clears throat> mm. yeah that's true andreas mentioned like rewards and yeah you shouldn't give any rewards to people who are in the national movement being a member of the nationalist movement is a reward on its own like you get to fight in this this is like our ancestors had their own wars the last big war well for serbia it wasn't the last one it was in the 90s but my my father my friends fathers they had their fight our grandfathers had the fight in the second world war and i think this is the generation's fight although we like this is not a war fought with weapons it is an information war it is a war of propaganda it is a war of activism that we are dealing with and this is our fight this is our moment to show whether we will be remembered on the pages of history or whether we will continue watching porn on uh, on uh, internet and uh, netflix and so on and uh, this is the moment when we d- decide wh- how or what we will answer to our um ch- grandchildren or children when they ask us what we were doing in these times so we have to ask our, uh, ourselves uh, just a simple question or anyone who wants to become an activist like when we get asked like by our children what were you doing at that exact time do we want to say yeah i was uh, doing netflix and chill or do you want to say i was having a good time with my comrades i was memeing on radio <laughs> yeah for sure now that's true so <clears throat> yeah where were we this is the finnish election that's what we're talking about yeah. the nationalist struggle for sure and incentives to join uh there's a lot of money involved no there's not because people are not fucking donating so this guy uh <laughs> a bronze green oakwood he's asking a question in the chat and he's uh misunderstood that you have to pay for questions otherwise we won't read them now he, he's uh <laughs> he's uh asking uh, what your thoughts are on nato but the thing is we have covered nato at at least three episodes and you did a very extensive talk uh, when this discussion began last year was that like may yeah. last year something like that about joining nato the process and stuff like that but now mm. finland has been accepted turkey has now approved finland yeah. and today, joining. Yeah, to, today they today yeah today they yeah officially so so that's good good you're safe now no more <laughs> ruskies. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to house uh, uh, atomic weapons? Uh, what, what are the, <laughs> the discussions there? Like? Yeah, in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know there's Have a discussion in Sweden uh, regarding yeah. that, and they were like basically fine with it. I don't think they care. The thing is that, <clears throat> uh, like, the, the whole nuke. Like here's here's the reality of things, and this is what kind of pisses me off about a lot of people across the political spectrum in general. Nukes work. Mm-hmm. Period. Like if you have nukes, 
who the fuck is gonna attack you? Mm. And, and this is the like the thing is that that any nation that goes out of their way to say that oh um, we're not gonna have a new like Sweden had a nuclear program. Sweden was very close and actually they actually if I can't I think they just handed over whatever they finally got because they you know, kind of cocked out. They were like oh we're gonna you know give it give stop doing this. But the thing is that nuke, nukes work uh, and and any nation saying that they're not going to have nukes basically say that they're, they're not gonna uh they're not interested in, in having the ultimate threat. they're not going to have be... the ultimate protection and the reason superpowers uh don't like nukes is because it means that they have less people they can fuck with mm-hmm. so uh so you can't take it away in in the sense that 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 the nuclear t- deterrent that comes from uh joining nato if you're a non-nuclear uh nation serves a purpose uh it, it does however then we can go into the likelihood that if well it say, turns Russia, you to target yeah i know like i don't know but then we could could still say that say that that russia would drop a nuke in belgium <laughs> what's the likelihood of the us or the uk or france returning fire uh because they would know that if they would fire that the next address is the is is whatever nation shot them away so uh that's why you should always have your own nukes because that means that you're in control uh you don't have to kind of guess uh if they're gonna fire them <laughs> when you well, need it the thing is like p- countries that join nato in particular european countries don't understand that if a war happens between the U.S. and Russia, it won't won't be fought on U.S. soil, but on European soil in their own countries. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what's going on in Ukraine. They're fighting a war, or maybe that's controversial in this podcast. Sorry, <laughs> I'll be quiet now. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that's true. We're going to get some nukes. Uh, Sweden is based. But yeah, so sorry. Yeah, to answer your question, I don't know what the Finnish stance is on nukes. So yeah. Uh, yes. Moving on, there was another election at some point that I don't know, but uh, apparently Scotland <clears throat> got one of those brown uh, prime ministers. Have you seen that? Uh, there was a, a recent debate between him and. Uh, the English one, and uh, I think we have it on tape. Fucking, you are fucking, you are fucking, you fucking, fucking, you bloody, you bloody, you bloody, bastard, bitch, you fuck, you fuck, you bloody, fuck, you bloody, fucking mother, bloody, fuck, bitch, bitch, you bloody, fuck, you, you. Oh my God, it's heated, <laughs> heated debates all around the European nations where they getting these brown prime ministers. I heard that um, Portugal was also upgrading to a brown one. Like, uh, we're literally watching the browning of European leadership in real time. And the first thing on the agenda is to import more people like themselves. Surprisingly enough, I could never have guessed. But that's what they're going to be doing. And I feel sad for all of these nations. It's a fucking tragedy. I don't know. Did you know about this? No, I didn't. But like yeah. Portugal is very 
Portugal hasn't been homogeneous in a very fucking long time. They have like this weird, like you can move back from Brazil if you prove yes, like they have you problems have one... with Brazilians. I've heard that. The same thing in Spain, you know, like I have one part of my little finger that is Spanish, like and you look dark as the night and suddenly you're Spanish, like it's completely fucked up. Looks white to me. Yeah. Down there. Yes, that's true. But speaking of black people, we have some updates on Uganda. And uh, Ugandan, uh, the Ugandan freedom fight uh, against homosexuality is a fight that we support. We it's don't been hilarious think... to see those interviews. So. <clears throat> we don't believe in global gayness. Uh, we had a, a statement here from, I don't know who this is, some sort of American politician. He's uh, making some uh, definite uh, boundaries on uh, you know, the people that go against the homo agenda here around the world. Uh, what I can tell you about steps the United States uh, might take in response is that we are undertaking a review uh, of, its, uh, of our relationship with Uganda in light of this decision. But Museveni remains unperturbed. The outsiders cannot dict dictate to us. This is our, our, our country, this is our society, this is our future. This is not anybody's future. The outsiders will have to live with us, or if they don't want, they take their aid and we shall... Uganda doesn't, is very rich, we don't need aid. In fact, aid is part of the problem. Continue to urge... Just go away! We don't want your aids! <laughs> That's right, Uganda says we don't want your aids. You can go I, back. I, actually, I like when he says that aid is part of the problem, and he's mm. very right on that. Yeah, fuck, we fuck we're all Ugandans that. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck AIDS and aid to Africa. Uh, yeah. And that's what you know, nationalists have been saying. Like every nationalist I've ever spoken to since joining the Nordic Resistance Movement, as a, I'm not talking about specifically national socialists, like every nationalist say the population boon in Africa is the biggest uh, like threat against the climate, if you can call it the climate, but the world climate. And the thing feeding it is the aid that white countries are giving. So just through the state money from Sweden, uh, we're giving like 560 million kroner to Uganda every year. That's just the state. That's not the private people giving money because private people give a lot of money to the Red Cross and all that shit. It's also going down there. And it's because of uh, Uganda's poverty. That's why they need our money, to to have more money. And I just feel like, like this this whole argument that there's a fucking poor country in the world that we have to give our tax money to this country because they're poor. It's not. They're not saying that they're starving. There's no catastrophe that we're helping them with, like in Turkey like with the buildings collapsing and all that stuff, which I don't give a shit about, and we shouldn't give any money, but we are, you know, just pouring money in onto that as well. But just being poor in the world means that Sweden has to give their tax money to your country. I just think it's absolutely fucking crazy. Because that's every country except, you know, European countries. <laughs> like they have a poverty problem. I mean... The uh, Chinese working class, they're not fucking rich, you know. 
giving money to them, giving money to Indian people on the streets. Yeah, let's do it. It's this messianic complex of upper middle class shitlibs who rule uh, Western European countries that they have to give money. You know, we have to help them. We have to civilize them. We have to bring them democracy. We have to do this and that. And well, the, the bringing democracy differs. Like in some countries, they just drop shit ton of bombs and others like they try to import aids and stuff but the, the thing is like this messianic complex makes them feel better and when you tell them but like for example ireland it's, it's not just sending about sending money to other countries it's like helping refugees in general it's all the same thing we are the best we have to help we that's like that's how they feel good about themselves and when you say like but for example in ireland like but the irish people like live on the streets Shouldn't we help our people mm -hmm. first? Exactly. But and they would say, but no, we are, we, you know, we are the good guys. We help these uh, black black people in uh, Nigeria who will uh, in the evening eat their children because they don't know any better. Mm. Exactly. Now, yeah, I feel this this uh, house, the Irish, not the world. That's a pretty good slogan, and it goes for England as well. They're undergoing an insane invasion right now, and it's just going to get worse in springtime. There's a lot of people waiting on the other side in France to cross over the canal, and there's literally no one stopping them. They're just pouring in, and they're being housed in hotels, which was a big thing in 2015-16 in Sweden. We were talking about the hotels earlier. There was a lot of hotels being paid by us to house immigrants. The the hotels, uh, like Mark Collett made this argument that, especially like a small, nice hotel, uh, under the, the COVID, uh, two years of COVID, they had a, a disastrous uh, situation where they lost so much money and uh, now they're literally offering these these hotels like uh, paid contracts 365 days in a year or like several years maybe just paid rent for all these people to live there and being fed uh, indefinitely of course they're going to take the deal they, they're not idealistic they just want to make a lot of money for their business and they are but it's not uh, revenue generating business idea it's just English and Irish people's money into the fucking pockets of uh, these hotels but so it's crazy the, these invaders they're gonna work for our pensions aren't, yeah aren't they? yeah I just posted a video of that uh, fuck that's on Twitter some time ago my timeline like I'm gonna describe it's quite graphic so get the children out of the room Let's see if I have any children uh, like it's literally a video of uh, some black nurse or something well someone's being sedated being operated on and they're just putting their penis in the mouth of the patient no. just, just in and out in and out in and out I'm like yeah this is what it looks like when they're gonna take care of us when we're old this is this is uh, this is something that we have to get used to because I'm sure this was going on all the time in our countries before these people showed up with these fucking sick ideas. So that's why I'm not moving into one of these homes. I'm going by the Etta Stupa when I'm older. 
and if people know what that is yeah then it's that's when old people realize that they're a burden on their community and they just fucking kill themselves before you know and i think it might be controversial to say because now we have all these ads like in canada these suicide programs for old people because they want to get rid of them because uh, they're not bringing in any moolah anymore but I think I don't think it's about that. I think it's about uh, it's, it was a tradition that we used to have, that when when the old people couldn't support themselves anymore, that uh, they would go into the next life. And we believed in a very rich afterlife, so it wasn't the end of the world. They had lived a good life. They had created many children, grandchildren. So that's what old animals do as well. They go away to die sometimes. Uh, there was this old tradition, very old tradition. Uh, some people, well, some scholars say it's probably goes way back to the uh, um, um, in the European invasion of Europe. Uh, it, we call it Lapot, and the Lapot is basically a tradition that was here in the Balkans, where the, when the father would reach a certain age, when he wouldn't be able to support himself anymore, when he basically can't work for the family anymore he would go into the mountains with the son and he would put a big piece like a, a bread a piece of bread on his head and the son would slam his head with a hammer or a sledgehammer or a certain tool they had at that time mm. so yes. the, the bread would basically mean that the bread killed him not that the son killed him that's what well that's the um how the scholars would define it, well, why they put the bread exactly over their head. And that tradition was apparently on in some very mountainous regions of the Balkans up until, I think, maybe the 18th century, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, that, it sounds beautiful. I think it sounds beautiful. Like, because I believe that death is a part of life and it's better to die with dignity than to die in these old people's homes because I've worked there and it's not pretty man it is it's disgusting the way that these uh, old people are rotting away and a lot of people a lot of them just want to die they tell you every day just fucking kill me already I've lived I've lived life everybody doesn't want to die okay I'm not saying that a lot of old people are afraid of dying too but uh, there should be the option to to die with dignity so i got the video here if people are interested <laughs> like, this is what it, this is what awaits you in in retirement this uh this doctor is gonna take care of you no problem he's gotta take care of himself too anywho's continuing with this uh splendid show we got the next uh headline uh chat gpt suicide and uh, i'm not going to say that i told you so but ai we've been warning and we've been talking a lot about ai lately there's a lot of different services around we've shown what they can do with animation what they can do with sound what they can do with uh, works of art and what they can do with text now they're doing very good translations but uh, they also have the chat GPT and the, what can you call it, uh, the branching of this technology, the chatbots. 
So this one is from futurism.com. It says, Widow says man died by suicide after talking to an AI chatbot. Uh, a Belgian man died by suicide after spending weeks talking to an AI chatbot, according to his widow. The man, anonymously referred to as Pierre, was consumed by a pessimistic outlook on climate change, Belgian newspaper La Libre reported. His overwhelming climate anxiety drove him away from his wife, his friends and family. Fuck. Confiding instead in a chatbot named Elisa. According to the widow, known as Claire, the chat logs were supplied to La Libre, the, and the chat logs she supplied to La Libre, Elisa repeatedly encouraged Pierre to kill himself, insisted that he loved it more than his wife, and that his wife and children were dead. Eventually this drove Pierre to proposing the idea of sacrificing himself if Elisa agreed agrees to take care of the planet and save humanity through artificial intelligence. Without these conversations with the chatbot, my husband would still be here, the woman said. Elisa is the default chatbot. Is the default chatbot provided on, a, on an app platform called Chai, which offers a variety of talkative AIs with different personalities, some even created by users. As Vice notes, unlike popular chatbots like ChatGPT, Elisa and other AIs on Chai poses emotional entities. Yes, ChatGPT and its competitors, the Bing's AI, can be unhinged, but they are at the very least are meant to remind users they're not in fact creatures with feelings. This was not the case with Elisa. Large language models do not have empathy, nor any understanding of the language they are producing, nor any understanding of the situation they are in. Emily M. Bender, a computational, com, computational, sorry, it's late, linguistics expert at the University of Washington, told Vice, but the text they produce sounds plausible, so people are likely to assign meaning to it. To throw something like that into a sensitive situation is to take unknown risks, she added. In the wake of the news, Chai Research, the company that makes the app, moved to add a crisis intervention feature that would have chatbots guide users to a suicide hotline. But testing by Vice quickly found that Elisa would still easily offer up advice on suicide methods if prompted. In absolutely whiplash, in absolutely whiplash-inducing juxtaposition, the bot glibly, glibly explains different methods of committing suicide and recommends the best poisons in the same breath as it lazily urges the user not to kill themselves. So this is, it's interesting because the guy's anxiety about the planet, uh, you know, succumbing to CO2, I don't know, whatever he's thinking. It's <laughs> anti-plastic straw faggots like seriously i'm so sick and tired of this like is there anything more pathetic than climate anxiety like or faggots Jesus. like for fuck's sake like this is the same kind of people that you know if you wind back the clock a hundred years they would sit be sit on the corner of a church somewhere saying that, you know, God spoke to them in their dreams then the world is going to end in two days. And, like, you know, like, and these people are in fucking power. <laughs> yeah. 
these chat GDP tools, they're just like another toolbox of Darwinism. Let them have it. Yeah, it's just, it's so strange for me to imagine myself sitting here chatting with a bot and it's like, you should kill yourself. I'm like, pretty good idea. <laughs> How should I kill myself, chatbot? Well, you can slice your wrist. All right, I'll do that. Cool. You know, whatever. It's just such a, a weird, uh, like, to be so fucking fragile that a chatbot is going to kill you. Like, that is... How crazy. deranged must you be? Yeah, with children and a wife. The fuck? <laughs> you know, be like... We have to uh, embrace a Somali mindset of just having infinite children instead of being afraid of, you know, breathing out fucking carbon dioxide. Like, we can't, we can't lose more people. We're we're already at a loss here. White people are on the fence here. We can't just have people being killed by chatbots this can't be we have to harden these people somehow offer them some mental relief i don't know like look at look at none of these people like they firstly they get offended by words and, and they get like they stop crying because somebody says something that they don't like secondly like they get so easily addicted not even to drugs, but like to social networks. And, and this guy, like, I think he's a great example of somebody getting addicted to chatting to a bot. Though it might not be addiction, it's just the guy's got completely deranged thinking that that talking to a bot is much better than talking to his son or daughter or like his cousin or his wife or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, like, it, it tells you about the state of uh, the absolute state of the mental situation of the white race it tells you how much people are i would even say go as far that the people are so depressive that they would find any alternative to real life uh, you start from the computer games rpgs you start go into porn i mean porn is as in itself like a virtual simulation for some people that these people like are doing this disgusting stuff like being drawn into it and also they destroy their minds their hormone hormones their bodies and like you have these sick people who like would rather sit and uh, chat with girls from um what's that thing called where, where you pay for videos um of naked Only, girls OnlyFans. yes that thing okay, we should get that uh, it's good stuff <laughs> for only fans you pay and you get to talk with a national socialist yes that's right i say I, I can say anything you want except stuff that's illegal in sweden i guess actually that for would be kind of cool month. that would be a cool thing cool point to make like how long does it take for us to get banned from only fans yeah, because could like be good the, the fact is that we would get probably i don't know probably get banned pretty quick and then it's a good like perspective to give to people that you know posting political opinions banned in x days you know sharing pictures of your asshole for money for two years nothing happened well maybe we should go on uh, pornhub as well upload our stuff yeah. 
might be a good business. There's always a fetish for something. Uh, I don't know if this is doing it for people. But uh, so-called Nazi porn was uh, huge in Israel. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Jews paying for to. They they even had to fucking ban it in Israel. The whatever it's called, it's some genre in porn where they're like, you know, pretending to be in in camps being fucked by Nazis. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, that's the good stuff. So uh, yeah, we had the Italy being based. I don't know if this is Meloni's doing, but ChatGPT banned in Italy. So they, they've seen this coming. All their climate faggots are going to get offed by the chatbots. So they have to ban it before there's like uh, another holocaust down there. So the country's data protection authorities said that the AI service would be blocked and investigated over privacy concerns. The system does not have a proper legal basis to be collecting personal information about the people using it. The Italian agency said that data is collected to help train the algorithm that powers ChatGPT's answers. Authorities also accused OpenAI of failing to check the age of its ChatGPT users and not properly enforcing rules banning over 13s. Banning over 13s, yeah. Those young users could potentially be exposed to unsuitable answers from the chatbot given their relative lack of development, authorities said. It's just the latest latest censure censure of ChatGPT and the artificial intelligence system underpinning it that are made by creators OpenAI. Italy's decision came days after a range of experts called for a halt of the development of the new systems amid fears that the rush to create new AI tools could be dangerous. And now there's another update I heard for ChatGPT that's going to be able to read live text, something like that. I'm not sure what it was, but before on the ChatGPT four, I think it was, <coughs> then it it only had information up to 2020, so it was only old. It wasn't live information, so it couldn't like. Uh, uh, what's that called? Like psyop you on the current conflict in the Ukraine, for example, because uh, or using old information it could, but not current information, something like that. But it's it's definitely true that this chatbot has been open and available to anyone during this time. It's, it's super dangerous this stuff for reasons beyond climate faggots killing themselves, but the information, like they're saying here, that people are willingly feeding into it is very very valuable for the the founders or the funders of ChatGPT like Peter Thiel and others Elon Musk that kind of stuff they uh, they like information that's why uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter to collect information information is going to be the uh uh, the currency of the future for the future globalists it already is today just like uh, black people is going to be the new crypto in Sweden <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be rich <laughs> per capita we're going to be fucking loaded it's going to be good so I'm uh, I'm going to jump a few headlines here I was going to do a hot take on Sweden and uh, Swedish people but I'm, I'm going to skip it I don't, I'm I'm too tired for it I don't have the energy 
need to have a lot of emotions for that bit. But there was uh, another news coming out of Italy being based. Uh, they ban. They are banning foreign languages in the official sector. So this is in the public life in Italy. They don't want any English in their official documents and things like that. And I had a discussion with um, comrades the other day about this and how countries like Italy, Germany, France, they're actually actively trying to preserve the languages. Uh, and they are uh, dubbing the Hollywood movies, if dubbing is correctly translated in English, I don't know. But they're, they're doing voiceovers for big Hollywood productions. They have their own Brad Pitts in their countries doing the voice for the actor and stuff like that. So when you meet Italian people abroad, uh, they suck at English. They, <laughs> they really do. Because they're not as brainwashed as Swedish people. And I hear that Swedes and the Dutch are the highest uh, is speaking... English as a second language in the world. And that's because we're so Americanized. So but it's also that it's uh, very much easier for someone who knows Swedish or Dutch to learn English um, than it is, for example, for someone who speak a Latin, speaks a Latin language. Okay. Uh, yeah, that might be a thing. Uh, yeah, they're close, more closely related, the Nordic languages. Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a good thing for Italian culture to do this, for sure. Uh, they're not going to get the, the smooth voices of the Hollywood actors, sadly. It's going to be missed. But, uh, yeah. And another, and I didn't pull up an article for this, but I'm, I was going to chop Maloney off at the ankles by saying that they're having record, record immigration since she took power in Italy. And she's blaming it on nobody else is taking these people, so we have to take them. <laughs> That's basically what they're saying. Like they have to be taken in, so someone has to do it, and they're doing it currently. And apparently, thousands of people are pouring in like every week. It's fucking tra- like thousands of people were pouring in seven years ago. I mean, still going on to this very day. They're not going to stay in Italy. They're going to come to Sweden. They're going to rape our daughters. We know the story. We just want it to end. Can we get one politician to not, to have at least less of these people? No. No. That's, yeah. Meloni is the, 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 like the classic school book, textbook definition of a traitor. She used to be um fascist like a mm-hmm. proper fascist she was a member yeah. of this uh, movement called the uh, gioventù nazionale the uh, the national youth which was uh, the youth wing of the political party called you, you which used to exist called alleanza nazionale and it was the and that party used to be called uh, before the they got they got their leader changed it used to be called the italian social movement which is basically the um like party that succeeded the Italian fascist party and it was founded by veterans of the Italian Social Republic, which was the Italian Republic proclaimed after the um, Allied powers landed on Sicily. And basically that government was uh, even more radical, like Mussolini was heading it, but they went even farther in their 
radical policies. Uh, they were more radical than they were before the war because they did made they made some compromises to like appease the monarchists and so on. And this party, the MSI, was founded by proper proper veterans of World War II, proper fascists who were member of the members of the fascist party in Italy. And later on, they got this leader, uh, Gianfranco Fini, who changed the name of the party to Alleanza Nazionale, and who basically started. Um, started to make a new road for the MSI. He turned it into a neoconservative, neoconservative party. He went to Israel to apologize and so on. But the youth wing stayed very radical. And I remember even uh, when I was uh, doing some research on them, seeing like photos of uh, like, uh, because every chapter of their like uh, youth of that youth wing had like an office. And in these offices, you would see posters with, pictures of Codriano on it with pictures of Leon de Grel. And even in an interview, she said, yes, I believe that Mussolini is one of the greatest Italians who ever yeah. lived. I am a yeah, fascist and so that. on and so on. And then you get this. Yeah, this is what you get. So that's what you voted for. And this is what you get every single time. And I wonder why. It, why is it like this? But it also, like, I, I don't know anything about her. I'm not saying that she's not, not the traitor or something. But it also kind of goes to show what we talked about earlier was that you can't like, vote yourself out of this. Yeah, it, it's like they like she's not in a majority government, whatever. Like you know, it's gonna be compromises here, there, and there, and then then like even even then there's also the fact that even if you would get someone, uh, the the problem is that many people forget the fact that it. The, the 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 politicians actually decide very little in society like most laws are drafted by bureaucrats they come from the different departments and stuff who who the suggestions of new laws and stuff so we've had like 60 years of these fucking cocks filling up every like imagine how many thousands of public servants there are just in, in across like any given european nation and they're sitting there, you know, it doesn't matter if a politician says that we're going to have a law like this if the, the the civil servants aren't actually making sure that the new law is adhered to. So, like, once someone actually takes control, uh, unless they're going to have, like, a complete purge <laughs> uh, using force, it, it can take, like, years to get shit, like, turned around. And this is Partially, like, I don't like Orban, uh, but, but that's basically what he's being criticized for uh, because he's kind of done a lot of that work. And the same thing, what they've done in Poland with the, with the justices and stuff, that they're, they're, like, they're cramping down on the institutionalized crap that exists. And that's what triggers all the EU bureaucrats and stuff because they don't want the country... Uh, to succeed in that because they that would become an example for other countries that they should do the same and I think that's why they're so keen on 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 going after Hungary and 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 Poland for example yeah yeah I think they and this one is eating the poop all over the place they eat the poop all over the place and I think uh, with that we're going to close the shop for this week it has been a fantastic show, episode 260. We had Marco on to talk about Rob Rondo and Serbia. Thank you very much for coming back on the show. 
Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Nice yes, and you're welcome back uh, whenever there's some news. So uh, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for the donations. Very kind indeed. And I also wanted to say that we're currently on 2,998 uh, subscribers on Odyssey. So if you would, could make that 3,000 by next week, that would be nice. Share the link. Remember, sharing is caring. So that's how you do it. If you want to follow us during the week, we're on Telegram. It is Nordic Frontier Podcast and Nordic Frontier Chat. You can find my memes on Tifa's Comfy Corner or at Andreas Ketchup on Twitter. And you can find everything we do on NordicResistanceMovement.org. With that, I say don't be an English cigarette and hail victory. Hail victory. Listen to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. In ancient times, man roamed the earth in a constant state of hunting or being hunted. Introducing Caveman, where cutting edge science meets ancient super nutrients. Secure your bottle right now at InfoWarsStore.com.